Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and today I am so lucky because I'm being joined by our special guest, Tim Kubiak. Tim is a business geek, a nomad, an aging metal head, a nerd, and a coffee addict. And now that's from him, and I love the coffee addict part because you all know I'm a coffee addict. Um, Tim provides world-class sales coaching and opportunity management programs, which has been used by corporate clients, big and small, for many years. Tim, welcome so much to the show. Thanks for having me, Len. (laughs) We are so thrilled that you're here. And for all of our listeners who are joining us for the first time, make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while we're there, why don't you share the love and click all five stars. Thank you so much. Okay, Tim, let's get to it because this is going to be a great discussion today. It's about restructuring and what restructuring looks like behind closed doors. I think that is really a great topic because we are all going through some of that right now. Um, so can you let's just sort of dive in here. So how do business priorities change if a company is going through restructuring? You know, so often everybody thinks restructuring is a bad thing. And with what's going on in the world today, certainly it can be more negative impact or perceived negatively. But the truth is restructuring is really about making sure that you're viable for the long term, that you have the right business priorities and goals. And with that, sometimes, frankly, you have to change your structure. And I know you and I have had other conversations. Sometimes you even have to evolve your offers as part of that restructuring. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I agree that restructuring isn't always a bad thing because we constantly are going through change. And we can either look at that as a bad thing or we can say, yeah, change is the norm. And this is what we have to to pivot and we have to adjust for that. And sometimes that might require, you know, maybe restructuring is considered just a bigger uh, pivot. Am I right there? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, And there's so many things. And typically, you know, I'm often sales organization customer facing and there's always fear in restructuring. And, and, you know, I know you work with a lot of sales folks and business owners, right? The first fear is what's going to happen to my territory? What's going to happen to my accounts? All of those things. And that actually good companies are already in the background and they're looking at that customer engagement and that opportunity first and foremost. And the restructuring has to take a natural flow to it there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, you, you can't live without your customers, you know, so you that's got to be the first thing that um, is clearly in focus. So what kind of upsides can occur with this kind of, of disruption? So some of the upsides really are you talk about coverage. So we'll, we'll start with the coverage from a sales perspective. We'll talk about additional customer insights, because the one thing that executives find themselves doing in restructuring is talking to those key customers, talking to key vendors, right? Even finance relationships to make sure everybody's on the page. And a lot of times what you get from that is hugely important feedback. So you're getting insight into what your customers actually value, what your suppliers may be doing or thinking in their own process, 
changes in financial terms, whether it's on the supply side or the banking relationship side, and you understand your capital requirements differently because of it. And the other thing is, is if you're one of the affected parties, you may actually get opportunities, perhaps that you never asked for, but a chance to find new things within your company, within your career that you'll excel at. And so you, in a lot of ways, it's looking at a door opening rather than a door closing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You always need to, rather than focus on what you think you're giving up, instead, focus on what you're getting instead, you're getting in return. And I think that in these kinds of scenarios, you know, I've certainly gone through this on a corporate level a few times. And yeah, there's a certain amount of fear. And I think that's one of the, the, the biggest thing is if you're going through that as, you know, a team member is to really look that fear straight in the eye and, you know, like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? And to, you know, walk through that scenario so that you can really give it your 110% um, every day on the job because you're going to then help the company uh, through this transition. And so when we're talking about this, you know, what do you see as, you know, like the winners and the losers? And then, and how do they get selected? So look, behind closed doors, anything can happen, right? And there's egos and budgets and fiefdoms. And to say there's not would just be a lie, right? So yeah. one of <laughs> one of the things is, is you have to make sure that as a leader, that this doesn't look like an endless cycle. So the first loser is actually the executive team that doesn't communicate clearly and doesn't roll out a comprehensive plan. You don't have to show all the pieces on the board, but you have to provide direction along the way. There's nothing worse than uncertainty. And one of the things I've seen now, and I've seen it within my clients, I've seen it within my friends and peers, is we see top talent people making moves now. Now, some of it's opportunistic, right? But some of it is because their company hasn't laid out a clear vision or communicated it through and they're not willing to ride the ride. So the first loser is actually potentially the exec team or the ownership group, because if they don't put out a good plan and they don't communicate it clearly, they're going to lose the troops, so to speak. Right. 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 And that that core talent and the all the relationships that they've built with their customers. Um, and if, if it's from sales, and of course, regardless of what position you have within an organization, that experience, understanding all the aspects of the company and then moving somewhere else, that, that type of turnover is always hard. Especially when it's, it's unnecessary. It's, I mean, in many ways, like to your point. Yeah, and, and the other piece is, Right. If you look, if your services department, if you have a large services revenue stream and they think they're losing their importance in the organization or a product team or a development team or, you know, programmers or what have you. Right. If they think that they're at risk, those are still coveted resources and they, they're going to flee. So you have to do you have to have a solid plan. You have to do a good job and you have to lead from the front. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that is really good advice. And so, you know, pursuing that some further, how can, you know, the leadership and and management teams really lean in so that they can ease those employee fears and and help them through this process? First thing, check the ego, right? And it's hard to do, right? 
and I know, look, five extra headcount here to this guy. I, I was literally talking to somebody on Friday, and it's a great example, right? Um, they came and they said, look, this part of this organization, you know, we think it's worthless, blah, 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 right? And he had some very solid points, by the way. But the truth is, is that that part of the organization also represented about 85% of the revenue stream. And he was wanting the headcount there to for his project, right? <laughs> Come on, right? Not realistic. So you got to check the ego. The other thing is, is it has to be give and take and it has to be done with what's your objective for the restructure? So as a leadership team, you can fight behind closed doors, but when those doors open and you go in front of them, everybody better be singing from the same songbook the same way. And they can adapt it to their parts of the organization. So a finance organization where they're tightening down credit controls is part of a restructure and limiting customer credit lines and trying to get days on hand inventory from an ops perspective down. The messaging is different than it is to a sales organization, which, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to be dealing with account and territory alignments, and they're going to be asked to sell more and more and more. And they're going to see those other items is detrimental to them, right? Tighter credit terms are bad for sales guys. So part of it is take that message and get it out and get it consistent. The second thing is, is be reasonable. There are times when keeping somebody in the organization is more important than keeping your own empire at its largest. It's more about company strength and long-term vision. And the final thing is share that vision with employees. Well, you know, Harvard Business Review's done a nice job since the pandemic started, and it's an ironic statement, but they've talked about the need for, for leadership to communicate differently. And that's absolutely true from the CEO on down to the employees, to the customers, to the suppliers, all the way through how you communicate and what you indicate you're going to do and then follow that through with action is more important than ever. No, absolutely. I think that gives that what you were just talking about earlier, I mean, it's a point of reassurance and comfort that somebody's thought this through. Um, so it gives them, you know, it gives you confidence that they've already thought about this, that they have a plan, and then they have the credibility that they're actually following through and doing what they said they were going to do. All those things really help an organization, I would think, when they were going, when they're going through this kind of change. It can. So, so we've we've seen okay, cases where single transactions are sink or swim for some yeah. of our clients. If they don't bring this deal in, there might not be a company. And and that's a harsh reality now, right? So oh, as they're yeah. looking at how they restructure and what they have to do, it really could come down to a single sale and marquee game-changing sale. But that might be the difference between keeping the lights on and everybody employed and not being there at all in a year or so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has definitely been a time for for adaptability and flexibility to think outside the box um, for many, many businesses. And that includes if you're on the spectrum, if you are, um, you know, you're feasting with there's a few companies that are running 24-7. Um trying to figure out how to get more throughput. Um, and then there's the others who are in the famine phase and they're trying to figure out how to, um, you know, present new a new product or service um, at this time 
that they can get traction on to maintain their sales volume. So it's definitely um, a time of significant disruption. And I, I really see it as um, a, a permanent change that we're going to see. So many things that uh, we're going through right now, we're we're not going to go back to, it's not like going to be the good old days. People are going to, you know, just think about the commuting alone, how much time uh, and cost that has been saved, um, let alone, I mean, think about if you're in Los Angeles, how clean the air is. <gasps> I, it's been, uh, th that's been an amazing benefit. Um, I mean, obviously it's not the same as the people who are losing their jobs. That's horrible. But there are some things that companies have learned that they can adapt and their their team members can work remotely and they're still getting the productivity and they're still getting the throughput and they may never go back to the same model. Uh, I see a lot of businesses permanently shifting their model to allowing much more remote working than they ever did before. Yeah, I agree. And everything I read on commercial trends and everything else it's amazing. And a conversation that I've had with some people in a project I'm involved with recently was the impact on public transit and how do they forecast, you know, capital assets versus ridership based on these changes. You know, and it, there's a lot of people that are, you know, way brighter than I could ever hope to be thinking about these things. But the other part of it is, is, you know, to your point, we're going to see this evolve. It's not going back to what it was. But there's going to be innovation and opportunity that comes from it that no one had thought of, right, that we maybe don't even see now. And the other piece I think we're going to see a lot of, and it goes a lot to reorganization, is I think you're going to see acquisition by those that are running 24-7 and have the cash and have the capital to grow their business strategically. And, right. and that yeah. will lead to a whole other set of you know, restructuring, if you will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing like the, the mergers and acquisitions. That's always an exciting uh, 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 time to go through. Well, that and that I think that's really true. Um, so, you know, when we're we're talking about this transitionary time, this type of restructuring and disruption, what type of, you know, vendor and customer con communication do you recommend that a company um, is, you know, actively engaged in? while they're going through this, this, this transition? So public companies obviously have those guidelines there. So we'll just set those aside and we'll assume they're privately held for this set of comments, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the, fir the first thing I think you have to do is if you have a liquidity problem, if you don't have a liquidity problem, you need to be you know, out in front. So for example, the company that's running that 24-7 and has seen a boom like they never expected because of this, their capital requirements are going to be different, right? So there's two messages to send. The first is, despite an unfortunate situation in the world, business for us is good. And because of that, we're doing X, Y, and Z. And how you message that, whether it's through financial statements, whether it's meetings, you know, with those vendors and suppliers, you're going to have to stretch credit lines in many cases. You're going to be dealing with growth in a credit adverse market. And on the customer side, I think it's set that customer expectation. So I, just like employees, you need them to be sure that they're there, right? Supply chain is huge right now. So if you're dealing 
with supply chain issues or you're out in front of them, communicate that with your customer. So if lead times have gone from four to six weeks or four to eight weeks, be upfront about it, right? Likewise, if you've opened a new distribution facility or expanded shipping hours or changed methods of transport or delivering your services virtually instead of on site, communicate that as well because those can be positives. And most of the customer frustration comes from not knowing. So again, be be confident in where you're going, communicate it in an appropriate manner to those markets. And the other thing is, talk to your top customers. Don't let them have that single point of failure. We talked about the staff turnover earlier, but the more relationships you have, it's a time to go higher and wider inside of accounts. It's not a time to bank on the same person you've always had. And one example I'll give is there's a large government contractor and a client had a relationship there for roughly 20 years. And they said, we've got it. We've got it. It's good. We've always dealt with Jim. He loves us. He'll take care of us. Okay, fine. So be it. Well, Jim's department got downsized. He wasn't affected, but he's now got three times as many lines he's buying for. So getting the mind share and the bandwidth there is different. And now they're scrambling to figure out who else they can position with to get insight into what's going on inside those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, account penetration and building relationships, to your point, um, the width width and breadth of an organization is always important in sales. And I think it is also important, you know, when you're looking at how teams interact, too, because then they're communicating with each other. And there may be things that when you're having this line of communication, that that teams can also come up with um, solutions. Uh, by having a conversation together, they can look at how they're each doing a part of some piece of a project or initiative and how if they each bend a little, it could be more effective and more efficient. And, you know, and those types of internal conversations can be very useful. Absolutely agree. Right. And, and the other thing is, I think it's time to have real conversations in those internal conversations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, whether you go through a rapid improvement process, you know, you just bring everybody in um, for even if it's a virtual lunch, you know, so that you can say, this is what we're trying to do. Let's start brainstorming on how we can do it. And it's like they're, you know, completely open to ideas and hearing different perspectives and then truly listening and processing it before just shutting it down right? And considering how that could work. And even if you're not thinking it's going to be the best opportunity saying, tell me more. So you can really sort of understand that perspective, because as you're pointing out, different departments are going to approach things differently. Uh, You know, whether it's finance, whether it's IT, whether it's HR, they all have a different perspective on how they're approaching that. But when they come together, they can understand the other department's needs or how they need to accomplish something. So then it sort of takes away that edge. Well, geez, I cannot work with them. They never will do it the way I want them to. Well, there's probably a reason for that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, opening up those lines of dialogue, I would think would be um, really helpful. Yeah. To your point, it's it's the perfect time to really look at what works in your business processes in a cross-functional way, right? And really, not that you want to take on a major new project, but maybe streamline things and question the status quo. 
Why did right. we do it this way? And is that still the best way to do it? Or was it ever the best way to do it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that spending an hour doing a rapid improvement process can work. Well, I know they can work wonders. And especially when you do what you just already advised to check your ego at the door and come in with an open mind. If you question something, ask them to tell you more so you can really understand that that approach. And um, it can be illuminating. So, wow. I mean, Tim, this has been a really great discussion, um, especially during these times when I think a lot of us um, are experiencing this type of either pivots or adaptability or straight out restructuring. And I really appreciate your sharing what this looks like behind closed doors. And I know our listeners would love to know where they can find you and find out more about you. Sure. It's very simple. So everything I do uh, in one way or another filters to my website, which is timkubiak.com. And that's T-I-M-K-U-B as in boy, I-A-K.com. So that's the best place to find me. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all the usual places as well under the, under my name. Yeah, and we will make sure that we provide all those links. So nobody has to, it's super easy, click and go. Um, and Tim, thank you again. This has been a great discussion. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and for all of you out there, if you have ideas that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, um, send us your thoughts. And if you do have a question or would like to suggest topics for discussion, you can email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay current on all our insightful advice, our breakthrough advantages, sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter. And thank you all for listening. 